Hey, Grant, glad to have you. Well, this is week number three in musicology, and so we threw one out there for the country music fans. And I was, gonna, well, I was getting ready to say, I know there are quite a few of you out there because I could see you all singing along. So, so y'all knew that one. All right, so I'll try to put on my Texas twang for this one. And uh, so we'll see how it goes. But anyway, George Strait, obviously uh, often known, or many people would refer to him as the king of country. George Strait, born in Texas, in a little town in Texas in 1952, actually hit the charts for the first time all the way back in 1981. So George Strait has been around for a while, cranking out the hits, hit after hit after hit. Now today's musicology hit that we did, Carrying Your Love With Me, actually uh, that song was released in 1997 on an album with, uh, well it's actually the title track from that album, Carrying Your Love With Me. And that song ended up number one on the country chart. So if you've been paying attention, paying along, paying, playing along you'll know uh, George Strait, number one country music star, number one in our hearts. All right. Well, obviously in that song, the song itself is about a person who's out on the road. And while he's out on the road, you know, carrying your love with me. And while he's on the road, he, he misses the person that he loves, that he cares about. But he finds strength in knowing that that love is there. And that they realize that during this time apart, that everything that they need is in that love. Now, let's think about that as followers of Christ and what does that look like for us. You know, we need to be kind of like that person in the song. But, but for today, again, we're talking about not just the love that we have for other people or for a spouse, but we're talking about uh, God's love. See, we can find strength in love, and certainly we find strength in God's love, regardless of where you are in other relationships. God's love is always there for you. You see, and that's one of the things that should get us through, and, and certainly haven't, aren't we going through some crazy stuff right now? Obviously, one of the things that we can find strength in is knowing that God doesn't go anywhere, that God's love is always there for us, regardless of our uh, events around us, or regardless of our environment, regardless of what's going on, God doesn't go anywhere. You know, so we need to make sure that we are living in that strength that comes from His love, and more importantly, we also need to make sure that as we live in His love, that His love shows through us, so that we can share that love with everyone else. Again, carrying your love, God's love, with us everywhere. We're going to take a look at a passage from. First uh, Peter. It's First Peter chapter one. I'm going to pick up with verses uh, twenty-two and twenty-three. Now, now this comes uh, in this uh, again with First Peter. This this comes in a section that Peter is writing to believers, and he's talking about being holy. He's calling everyone to holiness, and that's uh, with this passage or these couple verses pick up in that passage about his call. For holiness, And it says this, "...having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you've been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God." Why don't you pray with me? Lord, we just thank you for your Word to us. And Lord, we thank you for your love. We know that you go nowhere. Uh, that if, uh, if the world is falling apart around us, you're still there and you're still loving us as your creation. And Lord, we just thank you so much for how you love us and how you love us so deeply and so strongly. 
So, Father, we just pray that our hearts and minds are turned to you this morning as we think about this word, as we think about what it means to be people of love, to carry your love with us wherever we go, and to make sure that that love um, is, is shared with others and that it influences us in all that we do and in all that we say. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, again, think about this passage that I just read. It's talking about having uh, our hearts purified, being purified down to our soul. And it's all so that we might be people of love. Being people of love sounds a whole lot better than being people of hate or meanness, doesn't it? God is intent for us, for us to be a people of love. Why? Because God's love moves through his people. God loves us so that we might love those around us. And so this idea that as we seek to live this holy life, as we seek to live according to God's calling on our lives, then that means that we're going to be obedient to him. We're going to be obedient to the truths that he's laid out for us in his word. And by doing so, that we're going to seek, because we're born again, because we're followers of Jesus Christ, that we're going to seek to live out a life filled with love, living and abiding in the word of God. As we think about love, first of all, again, understand that all love comes through God. And so we want to talk first about our relationship with God. Now, God created mankind. Everybody good with that? God created mankind. And so God created us to be in relationship. He actually put a desire in us to be relational people. Now, I know that that there are those of you because we like to put labels on things, and there are, there are those of you who might classify yourself as an introvert. Uh, you've got you know, the extroverts over here and the introverts over here, and then somewhere along the line, if you're not sure, you're going out, you, you get online and you take a Myers-Briggs test or some other personality exam so you can find out all about the things that you're supposed to already know about yourself, right? And, and so you take one of these personality profiles, you find where you, you fill in along that sliding scale of extrovertedness or introvertedness, and, and somewhere along the line you determine, oh, well, I'm an introvert, I guess I should stop hanging out with people. Don't pay attention to those if it tells you that you're an introvert, but you know, you really kind of like being around people. It's okay to be an extroverted introvert or an introverted extrovert or whatever. Somewhere along that scale, you find your spot. But here's the thing. Regardless of where you fall, uh, we are designed to be in communion with one another. We are designed to be interacting with one another. That is how God created us in Genesis 2.18. It says, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, we think about this often in terms of, of God creating Adam and Eve, and, and, and we might hear this passage read, say, at a wedding or something like that. Uh, but it's not just spouses. God created us just to be in fellowship and in companionship. So it could be spouses, it could be friends, uh, but God created us so that we are not to be alone. So all of Christianity then should be based around our love relationship with Jesus so that we can share that love, that brotherly love. And in the Greek, there's a, actually love is a very intricate term. Now in English, we got one word that loves and we can love all kinds of things. We can, we can love our wife, we can love our husband, we can love our, um, you know, our kids, we can love pizza. And somehow those two just don't seem to be equal, do they? You know, the kind of love that we should have for our children doesn't seem to equal the kind of love that we should have for pizza, although there's some pretty awesome pizza out there. (laughs) 
So it doesn't seem to really do the word justice because we can use it, in, and oftentimes we, we throw it around and, and we maybe use it and abuse it. Now, in the Greek, there are actually four different Greek words that we translate as love, but each one is a different kind of love. So, you know, one, one is a, an unconditional love, and that's, that term is agape. And that's a, that's a big one. You'll find that all throughout the New Testament because that's the unconditional love that God has for his creation. You know, as, as when you're a parent, you learn about unconditional love because when your kids get up in the middle of the night and they're throwing things in the room and they're making all kinds of noise and you just really want to sleep, and then because they're making noise, now you just really want to go beat them and throw them out the window or something, you know. Not, not that you would do that, but, you know, you... that. You know why some species eat their young? I'm just saying, you, you, that thought crosses your mind because you're like, ah, oh, I just need to sleep, and, and you're being crazy. And, you know, but yet you still love them. And that's why you don't throw them out the window. You know, that's why you don't beat them, uh, but you scold them, put them back to bed, and then hopefully try to get back to sleep yourself. But that's an unconditional love. You love without conditions. That means that my love for you is going to be the same no matter what you do to me, what you say to me, how you act. That love is the same. Now think about that in God's terms, how his unconditional love for us is always the same. It doesn't make any difference whether we're obedient to him or whether we're running around doing our own thing, avoiding or staying away from God's commands for our life. His love is the same. Now, he desires that you be in right relationship with him and that you would follow his will because he's got great things for us when we continue to follow him and seek his will for our lives. But his love doesn't waver. His love is always the same. So God loves us so that we can love others. Again, that relationship through Jesus. You know, in Jesus, think about Jesus himself. Jesus was very relational, right? Uh, you know, Jesus was a great man, and, and when he began his ministry, what's one of the first things that he did? He went and he sought out disciples, those guys that we call the apostles. Remember those 12 guys? You know, and he sought those guys out, and, and he asked them to come and follow him. So, so Jesus developed this inner circle. Now he went about the countryside, and he was teaching and, and preaching and, and developed disciples and developed followers. But along the way, you know, he, was still, he still had that inner circle. Now, interestingly enough, within that circle of disciples, those 12, if we take a look at Scripture, what, what seems to be developing is that even Jesus had an inner circle of those disciples. Who are the disciples, that the names that we read the most often? Who are the disciples that Jesus, according to Scripture, seems to have the most interaction with? I'm hearing some names out there. Anyway, scripturally, uh, factually, if you add up all the Scriptures and the relationships, first of all, Peter, or Simon Peter, then James and John. Peter, James, and John, those, that, those guys were the inner circle. Why? Because Jesus has more interaction with those guys than any others. So even Jesus developed a closer circle of friends. Now think about that in your own sphere of influence, in your own relationships that you develop. Um, you've got some, some friends. Now if you think about it this way, you've got maybe that, that close group of friends. It could be a family member, it could be a brother, a sister, uh, but you've got that close group of friends, the, the kind of people that when something good in your life happens, you want to tell them, and, and when something doesn't go, their, go your way, you, you still want to tell them because you need somebody to vent to, right? Get it off your chest. That's your inner circle of friends. And then there's a, you spread that out, and it kind of goes in concentric circles. And you've got a little wider group of, of people that you have relationship with. And 
Again, they could be family, it could be not, it could be neighbors, just people that maybe you hang with every once in a while or whatever, and it continues to grow until you get out to your, you know, your Facebook friends out here. Those people that some of them you don't even really know, you know a name, you met them once or whatever, and they end up being your Facebook friend. You know, but, so, but anyway, there are all kinds of different levels of relationships, but there's an opportunity to share love with people at every relationship level, regardless of whether they are the inner circle or, you know, it's, it's somebody that we just have as an acquaintance. But regardless of what we're doing in all of those relationships, at whatever level, whether it's the inner circle or just the acquaintance Facebook level, we need to make sure that there is truth in our relationships. Our relationships need to be about truth, and Jesus is the truth, right? Uh, Jesus told us himself in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, and so we need to understand that in all of our relationships, Jesus needs to be reflected because that's part of how we share love. You know, it's through Jesus that we believe in God. It's through Jesus that we're connected to God. So we are purified through the truth, Jesus, only in a relationship with Jesus where we can be washed white as snow. So it begins with us having that relationship with Jesus. If we want to be the best at loving others, it starts with that relationship with Jesus because, again, all love flows through God. Our God relationship is what helps us carry love through Jesus to other people at every different level. And we need to be people of... I mean, I mean look at what's going on around us today. Don't, don't you think that the world needs more love? Yeah. If the world needs more love and God is love, then the world needs more God, don't they? You know, I mean, you know, we've all been there. You see somebody and say, you know, those people just need Jesus. But how are they going to get to Jesus? You know, somewhere, somewhere, somebody in their sphere of influence, somebody in their circle, somebody in relationship with them needs to talk to them and at least share the good news of Christ with them in somehow, some way. That, that's not necessarily running up and beating them over the head with their Bible and start, you know, reciting John's, John 3.16 and the Roman road to salvation, you know, in their ear. That, that's not about it. But at first it's about developing relationship and through that relationship, through those influences, through living Jesus. Now, one of the things that I had to learn a long time ago is that as we develop relationships with other people, as we seek to love other people, we can't get, our, get really bent out of shape when other people whom we're trying to develop relationship with, people that we know don't know Jesus, that they don't act like us. You know, what is wrong with them? Did you hear the language they're using? Did you hear the stories they were telling? Did you hear the things they're saying? Did you see the things that they were doing? Oh, my goodness, they just need Jesus. Well, duh, that's why you're in their life, so that you can be Jesus to them. You can reflect Jesus to them. You see, the thing is, is and again, I said I had to learn this a long time ago. I finally came to realize we can't expect people who don't know Jesus to act like people who do. Now, the caveat to that is those of us who do know Jesus better make sure we are acting like him, that we're doing our best to live out that love relationship, to live according to God's plan and according to God's commandments. Because if we're going to be about sharing the love and carrying the love with us that is a reflection of Jesus, then we've got to have that relationship. We've got to make sure that that is a very important relationship that we do our best to try to live up to every day. Now, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. I'm not saying that, that right relationship means we don't ever mess up, we don't ever sin, because it's going to happen. But, you know, for us as followers of Christ, the key is when we do make a mistake, when, when we do mess up, then we, we get it right with God, and then we step back 
And then we continue to share that love, to share the love of Christ by developing relationships. And, you know, and again, it all flows through that relationship with God. It kind of works its way down God through the relationship we have through Jesus into us so that we can share it around our relationship with God. And, and so that, again, leads to the next point then, and that is this idea of relationship to mankind. You know, having a Jesus relationship needs to make our relationship with mankind redefined. Romans 12, 9 and 10 says this. It says, Let love be genuine. Abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Think about that for a moment. Outdo one another. You know, I I can't think of how many times that we, uh, somewhere at our house, there are conversations, especially since during all the quarantine stuff, we had three granddaughters living with us. So, you know, with kids, all kinds of kids running around, and and every day it seemed like there was more. There really weren't, but it always seemed that way. Um, But it's, it's funny to listen. So you've got, you know, five, six seven and a couple nine-year-olds and to listen to the stories because some story comes up and then somebody's like yeah well I can do you one better you know and so there's these stories keep going back forth and forth it's like you try to outdo one another I was like well you might be able to eat three of those but I can eat five just watch me you know so it's always I can do better I'm, I'm better than you that kind of stuff so and, and then so then then mom and dad or nana and poppy as it is have to step in and say it's not a competition Eat what you're going to eat. Talk about what you're going to talk about. Tell your story. That's fine, but it's not a competition. Well, in this case, according to this passage, it's almost like a competition. Now, it's not so we can gloat or we can say, I'm better than you, but it's still, it's about saying, how much love do you got? Well, let me show you. I can love a little bit more. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that because it's really, because what's wrong with a little more love? You know, there's no ill will. There's nothing bad or negative associated with that. But again, it says outdo one another in showing honor. So how honorable do you have to be to be a little more honorable? Uh, And it's about, again, showing each other that we care and that we love and and that we reflect Christ in all that we do. So if we're going to be obedient to the truth, which is Jesus, then that means that we're going to have sincere love for our brothers. You know, another Greek word for love is phileo, and that is a brotherly love, the kind of, brother, the kind of love that we share for, our, uh, for mankind, uh, phileo. And that's where the city Philadelphia, which, which literally means city of brotherly love. <clears throat> I don't know anybody here is from Pennsylvania, but I've been there, and I question that moniker. <laughs> I didn't feel very loved the time that I was there, especially driving down the Pennsylvania turnpike. But, but anyway... Um, but that's where it's an easy way to kind of remember that word phileo, brotherly love. Think about the city, Philadelphia, meaning the city of brotherly love. But that, that's, again, another term for love. But that's, again, about the love that we share for each other. And it's not that brotherly love or phileo love should not have also be somewhat unconditional. But specifically, that's just the, the kind of love we share for each other, our, our friendly love. Again, being obedient to the truth, we have sincere love for our brothers, phileo love from the heart. And what we also need to understand is that as we're seeking to be 
godly people, as we're seeking to live a godly life, that, that means that there are some things that are going to happen um, when we are disobedient or we're not being obedient to God's word, meaning we're not living in right relationship with him. We're not living a loving relationship with him. And one of the things that a lack of obedience is going to bring about is something called prejudice. And obviously, we, in, our, in our news lately, we've been talking about racism and prejudice an awful lot. But you know that it is impossible to love God and have any type of hate for, our, for mankind, you know, for those relationships. It is impossible to do both. Love and hate have no place, just as light drives out darkness. Where there is darkness, there is no light. Where there is light, it pushes away the darkness. When we have love, it pushes out hate or it pushes out anything that would go against love. Another thing that happens when we have a lack of obedience is judgment. When we're not paying attention, when we're not seeing things the God way, or as Joetta told us about a few weeks ago, put on your Jesus glasses. I don't know if you remember that. But anyway, sometimes we've got to put on our Jesus glasses when we feel ourselves being a little too judgmental. Uh, how about, you ever, you ever heard the term, don't judge a book by its cover? Anybody, you don't have to raise your hands on this one. Anybody ever judged a book by its cover? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. You go to the library, you pick up a book, say, I don't like the cover, I'm putting it back, right? <clears throat> but by putting it back, instead of flipping it over and reading some of the summary and getting to know that book a little bit, you might miss something really good. You know, the same is true with people. It's easy to look at someone and, and judge them. You know, if you look at someone and they don't look like you, maybe someone that has uh, really crazy long hair, or, or maybe it's somebody that, that has a, a lot of metal in their face, or maybe it's someone that has a lot of tattoos, or whatever, whatever it is, they look very different than you, whatever that might be. You know, for some of us, it might be just having hair it makes you look different. <laughs> but, but it's easy then to begin to judge people because they look different than us. Well... God is a God of variety. God, God likes some variety. You know, all you got to do is look around and look at this world that we live in, and it's pretty evident that God likes variety. But it is easy to begin to judge someone because we put a label on them. You know, if you see somebody riding down the, the street on a, on a motorcycle with a leather jacket and, you know, a band, bandana or a do-rag, you know, on their head and all this kind of it's like, man, that, that is one mean dude. They may be the nicest person in the world. They, they may have just dropped off milk to their neighbor who ran out of milk. Who knows? We don't know that, but, but we can look and, and make judgments based on the way that someone looks. And all we do is we bring our preconceived notions into that to say, well, they don't fit my picture of what that's supposed to look like. What does nice look like? I don't know, but that's not it. You know, that's a preconceived notion. You know, I'm, I'm pretty well aware that uh, you know, I spent some time, I spent seven years in a first Baptist church. And I don't know about you, and if you've grown up in Baptist churches, that sometimes the first churches are the ones that are a little more dignified. Some of you might translate it as being a little snotty and snooty or whatever, but sometimes they're a little more dignified and, and all that. And, and I spent some time there, and I always said that I'm not sure that I that I met the preconceived notion of what the pastor of the first church is supposed to look like or act like or talk like. Or but you know what? I really didn't care. And obviously they didn't either. But, but still, I think sometimes even in church circles, we have preconceived notions. What does a Presbyterian look like? What does an Episcopalian look like? 
what are the non-denominationals doing there? You understand that we are non-denominational. That means we're the outlaws out there. So what are they doing? I, I don't know what they're doing. They're doing whatever they want to. And then they call it church. I don't know. So you understand that there may be some judgment going on. But I'm just saying that if we are seeking to live obedient lives according to God's law, according to God's command, and seeking to be in relationship with those around us, then that means that, that we're not going to be judgy. We're not going to be prejudiced. We're not going to be judgy. And sin gets in, and sometimes those ways kind of creep back in. Living, living right with God helps us to avoid those things. As a matter of fact, that leads up the last point, and that's avoidance. And that's simply by, by not living in obedience. It's just simply saying, you know what? God's law is out there, and that's a good thing, but I'm just, I'm just not feeling it right now, so I'm going to avoid what it is that God's telling me to do. Because let's face it, sometimes God would have us to do something that might take us out of our comfort zone. Anybody know about comfort zones? Anybody live in that comfort zone sometime? You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to. It's all right. You know, you can take, you can plead the fifth and not offer up incriminating evidence today. It's okay. Uh, But, you know, it's easy to live there. Why? Because it's comfortable. You know, we all probably, if you've lived any amount of years on this earth, you've probably got a comfortable pair of shoes, a comfortable pair of pants, a comfortable sweatshirt. How many of you ladies have one of those big baggy sweatshirts that used to belong to your husband, and it's got three holes in it and paint stains and bleach stains, but it is the most comfortable thing you've ever put on when the temperature drops below 65? It's comfortable. You like it. It's like, oh, well... I can't tell you how many times I look over and it's like, wait, isn't that my T-shirt? You know, so you find they're comfortable. We like them. We, comfort is good, right? But sometimes God says, guess what? I want you to move a little further out of your comfort zone because it is there that we find the extra blessing that we would never know while we're staying in that comfort zone. You see, why does God want to make you uncomfortable? Why does God want you to send you out of that comfort zone? because he wants to watch you squirm. You know, is that it? No, God says, here's the thing, trust me. He said, I've got something for you, and you need to trust me. So in our relationship with him, in our seeking to be obedient, in our loving him, do we trust him in that love to say, okay, I trust you, God. It, it may make me squirm a little bit, and, but I'm going to at least put a foot out of that comfort zone. Okay, the world didn't fall apart. I'm still kicking, right? So maybe we stick a little bit further out. And and what happens is is that we do something that maybe we've never done before. We do something that is not in our comfort zone, and then God says, guess what? I'm going to bless you for that because you trusted me, and you stepped out of that comfort zone, and you did something that wasn't easy. You did something that was difficult. But somebody's life has been changed. Somebody's life has been affected. And somebody saw the love of Jesus because you got outside your comfort zone. You know, if we can be Christ to someone, if we can reflect Christ to someone, isn't it worth it? Getting out of that comfort zone. So that, so that God can use us in ways that we would have never imagined. Don't avoid God's plan. Don't... don't judge, don't prejudge, and certainly don't avoid what it is that God's having you, even if it takes us outside of our comfort zone. You know, 
we potentially can have a type, a relationship or a type of relationship with, with every person. As I said, Jesus had the close friends. Jesus had, uh, you know, a circle of friends, but he had the close friends. Then he had acquaintances. But, you know, every person was a potential opportunity. Although not everyone liked Jesus or what he represented. But every person that we come in contact with is a potential opportunity. Again, they may not like what we stand for. They may not like uh, what we believe. They don't have to believe the way that we believe, but every person is a potential opportunity for relationship. And what do we want to do with that relationship? Well, we want to be Christ to someone. We want to share the love of Christ. We want to make sure that they see Him in us. But I think sometimes, again, relationships might scare us. One of the things about relationships, when we get into one, it makes us vulnerable, doesn't it? When we open ourselves up to someone, we're we're putting a piece of us out there that maybe we've kept hidden, or a piece of us out there that you don't see on the surface, or they're getting to know something about us that that goes a little bit deeper. So, So there is a vulnerability when we get involved in a relationship and we begin to go deep into a relationship. Because, I mean, you know, let's face it, have you ever put yourself out there and you really tried, tried to share love with somebody and you, you tried to, you know, make yourself vulnerable to them and you get back nothing? You know, that's a difficult place to be. And, and again, we feel vulnerable and it makes us feel uncomfortable. Like, oh, wow, uh, I guess I scared them or they don't like me, you know. It might be that they're, they've never had anyone share like that before. It might be that they've, they've never had anybody to actually be vulnerable to them, to try to love them and try to, to get involved in their lives. Or, or do we just simply rule ourselves out of a relationship because we don't feel a deep love? We don't feel that kind of love, so, uh, well, you know, it's not for me. Not every person is somebody that we're going to agree with, and not every person is going to be uh, one that we have much in common with, with, but regardless of where they stand, I mean, you know, again, look at the, uh, the culture that we live in. Uh, you know, I've been seeing on Facebook a lot of people, uh, some friends who have been lobbying for a classic Facebook, a return to classic Facebook, where we shared pictures of our kids and our food. You know, and we shared funny stories, and, and it was fun, and it was entertaining, and, and those kinds of things, and maybe a lot of cat memes, I'm not sure. But, you know, we shared that kind of stuff on Facebook, and it wasn't overpowered with political rants and raves and, and all of these kinds of things. And just, you know, because, again, all of that stuff that, I, that I've seen out there just kind of reminds us of the, the huge division wherever you fall on the issues that are going on, wherever you fall politically. And, and, you know, I've seen people that unfriend other people because they are so diametrically opposed to one another, politically speaking or religiously speaking or whatever. Now, a friend, a guy that I actually played in a band with when I was in college, a drummer of all things. Can you imagine that? A drummer would say something poignant, right, Matt? So, uh, but this guy was a drummer, and, and he is a... Uh, I didn't realize this, but I guess he claims to be an atheist, and, um, and he showed a picture with all the, the racism and all those things that are coming on, and he posted this picture up there. It was a guy several years younger than him, actually about, about 15, 20 years in their, in their differences in age. But this guy, he, works in, he worked in radio down in Florida, and... Um, he showed a picture that uh, this guy that he met doing radio broadcasts, and they had some things in common. The, uh, his friend was black. His friend was a North Carolina fan, shuddered the thought. 
because uh, he's a big UK born from Lexington, big UK fan. So there's a picture of him and this guy, and they got their, their arms around each other, big smiles on their faces, and, and they met because of radio, and they shared a lot of things in common. Although there was an age gap, uh, they liked different college basketball teams, and, and the other guy was a Christian. He had Christian views, and yet he talked about he had this big, long article you know, that he wrote and just how they, they could still get along, even though they did. There's so many things that people are causing arguments today on social media, and, and yet they were able to get along and, and claim friendship with one another, even though they were different colors, they came from different religious places, they came from different political places. And the, you know, the, the, the one that breaks the camel's back usually is that you know, UK, UNC kind of thing. But, <laughs> but yet they were friends and they could get along. And I thought, man, that is, that is awesome. Of course, then I immediately began, his name is Drew, and I immediately began praying for him, saying, okay, Lord, I don't know why he's an atheist, but, but how about some opportunity to share the love of Christ with him? You know, it's okay that we are different, but that doesn't excuse us from not loving. And that means that we as, as Christians, we need to do our part to bridge the gap. You know, as a Christian, we're to be born again. And that means that when we're born again, that we have a new lease on life, and at least it should show you know, it should show that, that life is good. Even when life is cruddy, life is good. You know what I mean? Because of all of the things going on around us, and, and life is hard, and life is difficult, but yet we still have a reason to smile. We have a, still have a reason to feel the joy. Now, there's a difference between happiness and joy, right? You know that? You know the difference between happiness and joy? Happiness is something that pretty much comes from events or, or things that are around us. You know, you, you take a bite of that, that pizza that you love, it makes you happy, right? But then the events like what go, have been going on around here happen and then we're not so happy because it's, it's scary and it's, it's hurtful. But at the same time, even though we're in the midst of something that might be scary and it might be hurtful, we can still have joy because we know who's in charge. We know where our hope comes from, and that is in Jesus Christ. And that is where we, as followers of Jesus Christ, can find joy. You see, things may be tough, but God doesn't go anywhere. He's still there to give us strength to support us, and that's where we find joy. That's the thing that should show. You know, there should, when people meet us, they should know that there's something different about us simply because we're trying to carry Christ's love to everyone, because we live in holiness, we live in accordance with Christ. And therefore, there should be something different about us when people meet us. You know, our relationships should share in God's glory. We need to ask ourselves that question. Do our relationships share God's glory? Do they show an otherworldly quality? In other words, we transcend our situation. Because stuff can just be falling apart all around us, but we as followers of Christ know we have a better place. Something more, that, something that, that is beyond us, that we are part of, that we live in because of the Holy Spirit. So do our relationships have this otherworldly quality? So we need to, again, ask ourselves, are we living so that God gets the glory for everything that we do and everything that we say? And then that brings me back to another point. Something else we deal with today is just social media. What about your social media relationships? Do they also share in God's glory? How do you portray yourself? How, how are you? And then how do you portray yourself to your Facebook friends? What kind of pics are you sharing on Instagram? What, what about your tweets? Are they filled with hatred or judgment? You know, the world desires to be in relationship. That's one of the reasons that social media exists. 
because we want to be in relationship with one each other. We want to be connected. We want to know what's going on. We, we want to feel um, like, like we have a part in someone's life. And, you know, I know for me, I'm, I'm torn with social media, especially the things that go on right now. Like Facebook, for instance, I've been able to connect with friends that I went to high school with that I haven't seen forever. So, you know, it's good to, to see what's up every once in a while. You kind of feel like maybe you're still a part and it was through actually a post on Facebook. You know what a small world we live in. Um, good friend of mine, he is a retired teacher from, in the Owen County school system. Well, it just so happens that Melanie Slayback had an event in her life, and I said, happy anniversary, and next thing you know, uh, my friend Tim, he's like, well, how do you know Slayback? He doesn't use the first name. Um, <laughs> He's like, hey, how do you know? It's like, like, well, she goes to, to church with me. She actually sings the praise band with me. And, you know, so this conversation began. And, and we hadn't gotten together for, it had been a couple of years, I guess. So last Monday, I, I met him over at a restaurant in Florence. And we had lunch together and caught up. You know, so that's one of the positive good things that come, there can come through social media relationships. So, so, so again, I think there's some good stuff that comes out of it. But certainly there's the other side of it. And part of that is how are we portraying ourselves on social media? It drives me nuts to see someone who claims to be a Christian, someone who I know, maybe someone who's, who's been in a church, I've pastored or whatever, and you see them and, and one day they're, they're quoting scripture and the next way they're dropping F-bombs on Facebook. I'm like, what is wrong? What is wrong with this picture? What kind of picture do we present to the world? You know, we've got to make sure that, again, we are that God gets the glory for everything, even our tweets and our Facebook posts. Again, the world desires to be in relationship, but the, desire, the world desires deeper relationships. And unfortunately, for many of our young people, our teenagers and, and young adults, sometimes they feel that those relationships, to, to be connected to someone, to be intimate someone, means to be physically intimate. And so there is an issue of dealing with with intimacy at a very early age, and it all comes out of this desire for longing to be loved. You know, and, and yet divorce rates are high, but I think a lot of that is because a lot of people jump into marriage without really praying about it, without seeking God, and, you know, they, they get into, oh, they make me, they give me the warm fuzzies. Anybody heard that term? How many of you remember the warm fuzzies? Anybody still have the warm fuzzies? Do you still have the warm, you still got the warm fuzzies? Well, I hope that you do. But sometimes the warm fuzzies just don't last, you know. They call that the honeymoon phase, right? You meet someone and you're so enamored with them and you get the warm fuzzies and you, you feel good and, and then you, you jump into, you get married, and it's like, oh, it's, I don't feel that way anymore. And then next thing you know, there's divorce. Uh, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, I used to do DJ work and I DJed, uh, well, radio, but I, I did events, wedding receptions and things like that and I remembered uh, doing a wedding reception one time and I looked up in the in the middle of the reception and and I could see I was was at an armory and I'm over here in this corner but I can see everything's going on I looked up and it's about the middle of the reception or maybe even not even an hour in and I look and next thing I know I see the groom and he's heading out the front door with all his drinking buddies they're all following him. And then, next thing, a few minutes later, I look over in the bride, and she's over in the corner, and she's sitting there crying. Not a good sign on your wedding day. Because those were not tears of joy. 
And I remember, again, I don't mean to be judgmental, but I remember thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I'm not so sure this thing's going to last if this is how you're starting, right? It wasn't but about five or six months later I read their divorce announcement in the paper. You know, I, I don't know what was going on. I don't know them for anything. I'm just saying that the outward signs that I saw on that day, which should be a joyous occasion, were not very telling for a long, healthy, happy marriage. Again, I think a lot of that is people jump into stuff because they're seeking relationship. They want this deep relationship. And if we just get married, it'll make it all right. That's not the case because if you know that marriages take a lot of work. Being in Christ means putting our relationship with Him first and that we should want to build relationships with others, again, so they can see Christ in us. And what a great way, you know, if we're getting into marriage, we, we want a marriage that is a reflection of Christ and the church. That's what it should be. Again, it's going to take work, but if we love Christ more than we love our spouse, now think about that for a moment. In marriage, do you love Christ more than you love your spouse? Like, well, that's crazy. I'm supposed to love my spouse, you know, more than anything. But everything comes from that relationship with Jesus Christ. So that should be your number one priority. And it should be the same with the relationships that we build, not marriage relationships or those kinds of relationships, but just friendly relationships, the phileo relationships that we build. Others should see Christ in us. Matthew 5.16 says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. In other, in other words, Jesus' light continues to shine through us. You know, when if others see a difference, it may be a difference that they know or they need or they want. We should be carrying his love with us because, again, it's strength. It builds strength. It paves the way. It builds others up along the way. And I'm, and I'm here to tell you, you know, I'm, I'm wondering kind of of all the things that have been going on around us, this with the coronavirus and, and the racism issues and all of those things. You know, it seems like so many events in our history tend to, they're cyclical and things go up and they go down. And I can't help but wonder if all those things that are going on, if they're not setting up kind of a new spiritual awakening, a new spiritual revival in our country. Because let me tell you, we need it. We need it deeply. So think about that. If there's going to be a spiritual awakening right here in our community, right here in northern Kentucky, you know, again, are, are these world events setting up something like that? Could be. But is that something that you would want to see? I think so. Uh, you know, every man, every woman, every child to hear the good news of Jesus Christ and, and have that same kind of godly relationship that we're talking about here today, that would be a true spiritual awakening. But understand, if there's going to be a spiritual awakening, it's not going to come from non-spiritual people. And I'm not talking about just non-Christians. I'm talking about people who claim the name Christ but yet fail to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, I'm talking about the people who, who claim the name Christ but really don't do anything to build themselves or grow in the Spirit. I'm talking about people who claim the name Christ but yet continue to live in a worldly way rather than otherworldly glory. You see, if we're going to see the spiritual awakening, where's it going to come from? It's not going to be pastors of churches. Yeah, we will be involved. But, but it's not going to be just that. It's going to be from the congregation. It's going to be from the people. It's going to be from the body of Christ. That's the only way that it's going to happen. Christians, though, who have forgotten their power of their relationship through Jesus and the Holy Spirit, it's not going to happen. That means that we need to make sure that we're getting plugged in. We're plugged into the power of the Holy Spirit. That relationship with Jesus Christ 
You know, does anybody here want that? Do we want that power of relationship, that power of personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Do we want that to make a difference? You know, do you feel the love? And do you want to share it? We've got to be love carriers. God's word is forever. The truths of yesterday are here to stay. Hebrews 13.8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know about you, but I find a lot of peace in that. Jesus, he doesn't change. The things that he wanted when he walked the earth, the things that he wanted when this God's word was written down, and even today, those haven't changed. It's all the same. People come and go, but God's love is forever. We've got to carry it so that people know it. Our problem is that many of us just don't know how to show love very well. You know, maybe we come from families that not a, love, a lot of love was shown. Um, you know, and so then when we get older, maybe we, we have our own family, but we're not good about showing love to our families. Instead, maybe we substitute stuff or we get real busy, and we're not sure how to love those around us. But Scripture tells us that if we love those who love us, what honor is that? So it's not about just building relationships. We need to make sure that we're doing our best to love those in our family, love those in our sphere of influence, but then reaching out to others and then taking it beyond so that we can love those who maybe aren't all that lovable. You know anybody who you have a hard time loving? You know anybody who might seem a little unlovable at times? Again, we need to reach out. Our, our mission this week Your mission this week, should you choose to accept it, is this. Go show some love. I want you to find three people, and I want you to pray about this now. Pray about the names that God might bring me, but I want you to find three people. Three people that you have not spoken to today and maybe have not spoken to for quite some time. Could be weeks, could be months, could be years. Find three people. And today, with social media, it's a whole lot easier to find people than it used to be. But I want you to find someone. Find three people. I want you to contact them. I want you to call them. I want you to text them. Whatever it takes. But I want you to do that so that you can say, you know, my preacher challenged me to step out of my comfort zone. And he challenged me to to show love to someone. You know, you've been on my mind. I've been thinking about you. I just want you to know that I love you. I don't know what's going on in your life because we haven't been in contact, but I want you to know that I love you and I care about you. That's all. I'm not asking you to preach a sermon or anything like that, but I want you to share love. So that's, that's your mission this week, should you choose to accept it. Three people. Find three people you haven't spoken to in some time. Contact them. And let them know that you care about them, that you love them. You know, it says to love our neighbor as ourselves. Who's our neighbor? Anybody that's not us. To love our neighbor as ourselves, right? And we're usually pretty good about loving ourselves. Again, back to social media, all you're going to do is look at a lot of people's accounts and they really like themselves. But it's not about us. It's not about what's in it for me. Because true love has nothing to do with our individual selves. It's about loving and serving other people. So we find the blessing by loving other people. So again, your challenge this week, find those three people and go love somebody. What do you say? Carrying your love, carrying his love through you so that others' lives can be affected. Why don't you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word to us today. And we thank you for the challenge of loving people. Sometimes the unlovable, sometimes those that are not so easy to love. But we know that your love carries over to everyone regardless of where they are, regardless of who they are. 
And Father, we have a responsibility as followers of you that we seek out and love on everyone in some way, in some very small way, in some very large way, whatever it is. And it's all about seeking your, your guidance, your direction, your will for us so that we might make a difference and yet your glory is seen throughout the land. Father, we know that this, this world needs a lot more love. Help us to do our part to fill it. And Lord, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.